Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 34. I'm your host, Soccer Tarn. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing very well, man. I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's going to be a great one. Why? Because we're talking about the U.S. Men's National Team in January camp, or interviewing Carlos Mojica, or we're together for this recording, for the recording of this episode. Um, the first two things. <laughs> uh, I mean, less editing. But yeah, less editing. Um, yeah, so the dust has settled in January camp. Another one is in the books. It was an exciting one. We got to see some young, fresh faces. We got to see Josie, a slimmer and better Josie, I'd say. Um, but also, as you said, uh, we had Carlos Mojica as a guest on this episode. Uh, he's very well versed in soccer. He has a website and a magazine called Centro Deportivo. We'll have a link to their website in the description. Right now, they have a limited edition magazine, a best of 2015. Uh, you should go check it out. It looks awesome. Uh, it's, a mu- it's definitely a must-have for any soccer fan. He's also a communications coordinator for the MPSL, which is the fourth division of soccer in the U.S., as well as he works with AFC Cleveland, uh, which is a- an MPSL team. So very, very exciting guest to have. He's also starting his own podcast entitled Enganche, which talks, which is going to talk about more of the historical and cultural aspect to soccer, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to listen to that. But, as you said, the first thing we're going to talk about before we get to the interview in the middle is the United States one nothing win versus Canada on Friday night. But before we talk about that, actually, we have to talk about this amazing sports apparel brand named Ambitious Strike. You can check out their merchandise at ambitiousstrike.com. If you want to get 15% off on your entire online purchase, and enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yep, go check them out at ambitiousstrike.com. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. Definitely go check them out. As always, the link is in the description. The links to uh, Carlos's website and Twitter will also be there, as well as hopefully, hopefully our website which, if everything goes to plan, we'll be going live with this episode. We, we're hopefully going to get that done today. Yeah, yeah. we're just going to need a little bit more work from our brother's end. And Okay, wait, wait, wait. The website has been all me, man. And, of course, our great uh, web designer, Sachin Hijibu. Shout out to him. But I think I was the kind of one who brought up the whole idea of a website. Uh, no, because <laughs> I met with Sachin, our web designer, and I told you to come along, and you were complaining because no, you didn't no, know no, what the meeting no. was but about. But th- think back... Before we even started this podcast, I said, wouldn't it be cool to have an, a, 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 a soccer website like Soccer by Ives? No, I don't remember that, but I'm sure you said it. <laughs> well, I'll just I, tried it. I never said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We faced our neighbors from the north on Sunday as we played Canada at 1045 Eastern. On Friday. I don't know where you got Sunday from. <laughs> oh, my God. From the notes. <laughs> so Sunday in the notes, but and the notes are right, so. No, we played them on Friday, and we ended up winning one nothing. Yeah, you know, it's still Saturday, so I don't know. I don't know why Sunday's in the notes. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a less than exciting game, but it was cool to see some of the faces that we maybe wanted to see. We got to see Lee win again. Uh, Jordan Morris started this match, which was exciting. David Bingham at goalkeeper. Hats off to him. I thought he had, a, had a, played a good match. Yeah, I mean, he was all right. I mean, I don't know if he has any, like, I mean, because our best keepers are abroad, we played Luis Roblas and Bingham. Well, and Bill Hamid got hurt. Um, But David Bingham, he was strong in the box. He got to all the crosses. He was confident. He made the saves he needed to. I was impressed with him. I thought, you know, 
at times other goalkeepers with the U.S. national team have looked shaky. And to be honest, this year, Tim Howard, I know it's a different level of playing Canada. Uh, no offense to can- Canadians or Canada and playing in the Premier League, but Tim Howard has had a lot of trouble on crosses this year. And Brad Guzan's not even playing. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying David Bingham should be our starting goalkeeper. But you're saying that David, David Bingham's better than Guzan. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm just saying he looked good. I don't I don't think you can deny that. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's it's a takeaway, but it's not a big takeaway. I would say, but I just don't know how you can say that. He was, he was, he did everything because it's just not, it's just not that relevant right now to, to like Copa America and this cycle. Okay, what if in the next four months he becomes the starter of the earthquakes and leads MLS in? Okay, patience? okay, you're, you're not only forgetting about Tim Howard and uh, Brad Guzan, but and Bill Hamid, but also Bill Hamid won't be there. Ethan Horvath. You think Ethan Horvath? I mean, I think he'll be with the U23s. Yeah, but, I mean... I guess Bingham I think could he, be, too. If we're talking about long-term success, then I think that Ethan Horvath's definitely... Uh, well, yeah, feasible. I mean, you have Ethan Horvath, Zach Steffen. I thought the one you were going to bring up was William Yarbrough. Oh, yeah. He's, he's still over there, too. But, yeah, I mean, we, we need a goalkeeper, right? We thought Bill Hamid was going to come into this January camp, assert himself as maybe the number one keeper. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Wasn't able to do that. And he's out for months now, which is really, really disappointing. Really disappointing for DC and for US national team fans. But do you think that if Tim Howard is the keeper this summer, it will bring more attention to the to like uh, not necessarily avid American fans, but just like just you know? Sure, yeah. I mean, regular people. He will. He's he's well known uh, because of his performance against Belgium in the World Cup. He might be moving to MLS at the end of the year, so it would be a good marketing campaign for MLS to have him in Copa America. Yeah. Um, so I would not be surprised if he's a starter. Especially if he continues to play with Everton. He hasn't played in the last three matches. Everton have won 3-0 in all three of those matches, by the way. Uh, but he hasn't play- if he continues to play for Everton, you can't really argue. Uh, especially since Brad Guzan's not playing right now. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, why don't we talk about a player that we've been critical on in, in the last few uh, episodes where we talked about the U.S. Men's National Team, Jossie Zardes. Uh, what did you think about him? He, he made a few nice passes and a few mm. nice runs, but overall his touch... Let him down a lot of times again, I think. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, I think his touch was better, but his first touch was better. His second touch, not so much. We saw in the first minute, remember in the first 15 seconds, he had that bomb down the wing. Burn bomb sends him in, uh, not able to really corral it. and sends, He's able to save it, but it, his second touch let him down there. I thought he's all right. I still don't think he's a starter at this level. Yeah. I think there are better options. Uh, he did have the one, the one play that stands out in my mind, uh, of being a good Zardes play is his pass, his th- his pass into Josie that went off the post. Yeah, seventeenth minute. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but plenty of times he gave the ball away. He killed attacks uh, with bad passes. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when he was coming down the field on a break, and he had I think Josie out left, and he just completely missed him, and it was like a three on two situation that the U.S. had, and it was just completely dead uh, because of Zardes. Um, it and then, was it, the and then it went to win yeah, on the far yeah, side? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it wasn't completely dead because we, we still retained the ball. Um, but yeah, the other one uh, that we have written down here is Zardes. He took that shot when he had Altador uh, open in the middle uh, for maybe an easy goal. Uh, but you know what? You can't really blame a player for taking that shot. Uh, I, I think that's I think that maybe is nitpicking um, because you want, you want a striker or you want one of your uh, wingers to take a shot like that, to not pass up, pass up on an opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can, 
I can agree with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I think I think we learned more positive from him than not. I mean, just based on the way that we've been kind of rating him in the last few friendlies, I, I think that he he gave a reason for Klinsman to keep on calling him up, I think. But don't you think every other winger, except maybe Ethan Finley, impressed you more? Darlington and Agby, Lee Wynn, Jerome Kiesewetter... And even even Ethan Finley had an assist at the end there. Like, don't you think those players impress? Not, I'm not saying they're better players right now. I mean, I think Nagby and Lee Wynn are. And I mean, honestly, I think Finley is as a winger. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they definitely impress you. You definitely notice players who come on as substitutes or it's their first few time, you know, times playing for the national team more. I and mean, we've seen Zardes so much. I bet on Zardes' first few appearances, we thought he was he was really special. But I don't. I mean, I wanted him to be called up. I didn't. I don't remember being that blown away by his oh, no, 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 play. No, yeah. uh, like the same. I don't think he's ever looked as good as Lee Wynn looked against uh, Iceland, or Darlington Nagby looked at the end of that match, or Jerome Kiesewetter against Iceland at the end there, because he's great. He can stretch defenses with his speed, uh, and you know what? His you know what he has improved on. His runs were great. Uh, in, yeah. in these two matches. I thought his runs were excellent. Um, but his delivery is not that great. And also, uh, he doesn't beat defenders one-on-one. He doesn't beat him. Uh, he doesn't really create a whole lot. He's he's a player who you like to slip in behind. And yeah. I've been critical of his runs before, but like I said, his runs were very good in this match. And if he does want to kind of make himself known as a striker... Or you know he's been playing more centrally than we've seen him play in the past. Then he needs to he needs to be better aerially, I think, than he is. Yeah, I mean he missed that chance against Iceland. Yeah, uh, two. I remember. Yeah, well, well, one of them was harder than the other. But. Yeah, one of them was right on a platter. But you know what? I mean, he's going. He's like I said in the last podcast. He's still very young. I mean, he still has a lot. He can still grow a lot. Uh, well, less than two years younger than Josie, though. So. But I'm just saying, he can still grow. He's, he's, he has upside. You know, speaking of Josie, I think that he, in terms I mean, yeah, I think he's impressed me the most out of any player uh, in this January camp. Michael Bradley, I think, played the best out of any player on our team, but, you know, as you're, you're going to hear Carlos say, uh, you always expect Michael Bradley to, you know, come out to play. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I apologize because I didn't get a chance to say it when Carlos was on, Um but I, I thought I thought Michael Bradley played better than we've seen in a while. I think if you if you look back at the goal against uh, Canada, the Josie goal, that that through ball to Ethan Finley, that ball it's not necessarily a through ball. It's right to Ethan Finley's feet is excellent with his left foot. It's like a curling curling through ball, and then Ethan Finley's able to fake left, cut in, and, and uh, curl across to Josie. But that I mean. I don't think anyone else in the national team can do that at this point in time. No, um, no. He has the best passing and one of the best work rates. Probably the, the best work rate, and he's a disciplined player. Yeah. And we saw him taking on defenders, taking shots from outside the box. And let's not forget, he also had two assists against uh, Iceland. Um, he played the through ball into Josie on the first goal, then the third oh, was yeah, a free yeah. kick. I mean, which still matters. <laughs> the third was a corner. Oh, no, no, it was a free, free kick. kick. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of the second He's one. He's drew it, and then... Yeah, I was thinking of the second Bradley one. Bradley and Right, you're right, you're right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought he by far was the best player in this camp. Josie a close second. 
And then another player who impressed me in this match, I want you to talk about this a little. Uh, we didn't really... When we talked to Carlos, we didn't really get into this match specifically. We just talked about the U.S. as a whole in January camp. But a player who really impressed me in this match was Mixed Discrude. Uh, I think he has the best first touch of anyone on the team, or anyone who played last night. Uh, the ball just sticks to his feet. Uh, I think maybe the formation, the 4-4-2, is a little disjointed, and Josie and Morris had to come back to get the ball a little bit more than they'd like to. And, you know, as, as you point out... Um, later on in the podcast, uh, playing those two maybe doesn't allow Bradley to be more of a free roamer. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about individually mixed discrude. I thought yeah. he was. I thought he was good. I thought one of the, the downsides of his playing this game was in the 40th minute where he waited too long to send that through all Morris. Morris was right in between the two Canadian center backs, mm, and yeah. he just waited a little bit too long. Yes. I, I know what you're, you're talking about. Mixed discrude in terms of dribbling, I think he's one of the most talented players on the team. I just don't see him really play an important role in the future because of, all, you know, the midfield depth that we're starting to gain with Nagby, Wynn, Bradley, Bedoya we still have. Right. Or, or a lot of people forget. Right. I, I just don't, none of, well, yeah. I, I think... And then Jeff Cameron at defense. None of those Andrew. players have the same amount of balance between attacking talent and defensive discipline that Mixed Discrude has developed, I'd say. Lee Wynn is an out-and-out attacker. Nagby's an out-and-out attacker. I mean, Bradley's obviously there. Yeah. Cameron, Trap, Kitchen, Jones. Well, Jones. Well, I don't even know about Jones. Uh, but those other guys are defensive midfielders, you know? So I think he's a valuable player to have on the team. We, we saw in qualifying last time, Discrude creates stuff. And if he can play with NYCFC and hope... I mean, I hope... Honestly, I hope he just leaves MLS because I, I really feel like his type of play is not really suited in this league, you know? Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong, though, but that midfield is stacked. Uh, Poku, Pirlo, Lampard. I mean, if they're, where is he going to play? Out wide? I don't really know if that's his best position. I mean, Poku maybe plays out wide? Yeah, I don't know. I guess Pirlo and Lampard are probably not going to play every match, but I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think NYC... It would be a nice attacking substitution. Yeah, but... But I don't know... I don't know if that's the role that, you know, we need him to play. <laughs> I just... I don't like having a bench player in MLS as a national team player. You know what I mean? It's just not... I guess that's my own bias. Well, Alan Gordon. I mean, he's situational. He's probably... But, but like, what he does is... I mean, he's a substitute for both fair teams. Enough. Yeah, like, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Maybe Mix Discrude is that guy, but he can be a starter on most teams in the league. I think. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I, I don't think NYCFC is the right place for him. Yeah, I would agree with that. But he's still, he's an odd player who's still very young. We kind of forget. He's still, he's still a really young player. Do you too. think Clutchton's ever going to? No. Okay. Clutchton, McCarty maybe, but Clutchton, uh, Phil Haber, I don't see it happening. If it didn't happen after this year, why would it happen? And we we didn't did we mention Kitchen to this conversation? Well, first of all, how did you think he looked when he came out as a substitute? I mean, he didn't really do anything. Well, yeah, it was a, win, a minute and a half left, right? Yeah, yeah, and, the la- yeah. and remember in the last game, uh, he didn't even come on. He was standing there, and the ref told him not to come on because there was like ten seconds left in the match. So Kitchen unattached right now. Uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't really know if I can really comment on Perry Kitchen's play. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I want to say, it was, speaking of Perry Kitchen, 
I think it was it was very frustrating for me not to see more of any one of the defensive midfielders in this camp. Chani, Trap, or Kitchen. I mean, I, I thought that was really frustrating. And Jermaine Jones is an excellent player. I just, I don't see him being a part of this team going forward. Not only that, we kind of know what he can do already. I know we know what jo- what Josie and Bradley can do, but I think it's more important for them to be fine-tuned, mm-hmm. right? To to be a part of that team. Bradley's the captain. Josie needs his confidence back. I mean, we saw in this game Jermaine Jones make a couple mistakes, particularly in the 30th minute where he had a very bad giveaway in the midfield that led to an almost Canada goal. That that was one. One where he made an overlapping run from a center back? I mean, I don't The other one was when he sort of kind of gives the ball away and then he hits Kyle. He kicks Kyle Aaron in the back and it should be a penalty, but isn't given. Remember that play? Yeah. I mean, that was oh, yeah. that was awful. Uh, I, I think, well, first of all, he's not a center back. I mean, that's just clear. Second of all, Beasler, or Beasler and Jones is just not a good center back pairing. I mean, you have two players who like to play on the ground. Uh, Beasler's decent in the air. I understand Birnbaum is there for set pieces. If you want, if you want him, he's playing. Birnbaum's playing right back. Uh, who's very good, by the way, too. I, w- I would say. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I just didn't really understand. I guess there weren't many options. Um, I don't know. It was just interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, if you take a look at what Jermaine Jones has done for the national team, I feel like it's been in kind of spurts, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's effective for a few games, but then he's the villain, kind of, and then right. he's effective again. I mean, at this age, though, he could just be I just, I just want to say, I have always been a James Jones supporter. I was a James Jones... Uh, why do I keep on saying James <laughs> yeah, Jones? <absolutely. laughs> you have always been a James Jones. <laughs> yeah, I have. Well, <laughs> James Jones is a football player, guys. I, I, I don't know why I keep on doing that. No, but Jermaine Jones, excuse me. Um, I've always been a Jermaine Jones supporter, especially in World Cup qualifying for the 2014 World Cup. A lot of people didn't want him to be there. I thought he's one of our best players, and that proved to be true in the World Cup. He has probably one of the most talented players we've ever had, uh, the, the U.S. has ever had. Um, I mean, he's had a great career. He's been an established starter on a consistent Champions League team in Schalke. He scored Champions League goals. He changed New England. Really one of the reasons why they've been such a good team in the last two years. Uh, and for the U.S. national team... Arguably, arguably the best player in the 2014 World Cup. Maybe maybe behind Fabian Johnson? Maybe? I mean, I don't know. Tim Howard, Tim maybe? Howard, yeah. Um, but, so, I think... We didn't have that many good players in that World Cup, honestly. It was weird. <laughs> I mean, weird Dempsey, time. you can make an argument, but at the same time... I didn't, well, I think... Dempsey was playing out of position. Well, we don't need to get into the World yeah, Cup. Okay. Um, but, it just, I... He'll be 38 in 2018, I believe, right? That's somewhere around there. 36, I Wait, well, 36 doesn't seem that old, actually. Um, so, I mean, 36 to 38, somewhere in that range. I believe he was 32 during the 2014 World Cup, actually. Um, yeah, he'll be 36. Yeah, he'll be 36. So, I guess, wow, the World Cup's only two years away. That's yeah. kind of messing with me. But, can he last? You know, he, he's just coming off a, a big knee injury, too. I just don't see it happening. I think Will Trapp is a player we need to get behind. Maybe Tony Chani. Uh, 
who's the other one? Perry Kitchen. Nag- well, yeah, Nagby, but I'm talking about defensive. Oh, defensive midfielders, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Darlington, Darlington Nagby's play? I thought he was great. I really did. I thought when he comes onto the field, when he comes centrally, and he's able to link up play, he moves the ball forward. Uh, he's a real impetus of attack for the U.S. national team. It's something we don't really see. I mean, Lee Wynn did a good job of it. I just think he's a better version of Lee Wynn on the wing. Uh, I think, first of all, first of all, he's straight up faster. Speed is important on the wing. But also, I think he's more tighter in that he's not as sloppy in possession. I think Lee Wynn was great against Iceland. He was good against Canada. But I would say he gives the ball away more easily. I think he tries to force it a little too much. Darlington Nagby always makes the smart pass. Uh, and what I liked I, what I liked was that Darlington Nagby is actually taking shots and taking men on. Yeah. So, uh, you, you bring up the pace of Darlington Nagby, and the difference between him and a player like Finley, I feel like, is that Finley is very fast off the ball. But Nagby, you can see his pace on and on. Well, and on. well it's pace with purpose, right? He yeah. knows what he's doing. Finley, who I love, tends to just run at players. Mm-hmm. Darlington Nagby knows what he's doing. He can do everything. He can find the pass uh, he, into the box. He can make the safe pass backwards or sideways. He can take on the man and shoot. And, I mean, that's something that the U.S. hasn't had since Landon Donovan. Not saying they're at the same level maybe yet, but it's... And they're different types of players. Uh, I think I think Nagby is more more of a central. Do you still think? Do you think that Lechet could play like that it, if you were to be called into the national team? Yeah, I think those. Yeah, but I think the performances of Win and Nagby make it harder for Lechet to break into this team. He's got time. He's He's got no, time. he doesn't need to be in the cycle. But uh, well, I mean, I'd like it to be in the cycle. I, I honestly, I want players. I want two-cycle or three-cycle players. I mean, really, we've had Bradley and Josie who will be three-cycle players. Beasler maybe two-cycle. Fabian Johnson, two-cycle. But they'll be older, right? Letcha in his second cycle will be 29 or something. You, I, I feel like you, you've been really trying to avoid these older players. You say you don't want Dempsey, Jones now. Just Dempsey Howard, Jones. I mean, Howard. Well, Howard, <laughs> but Howard hasn't been good. Well, well, what old player do you want? Like, like, like 30 plus right now. 30 plus right now? Uh, maybe Brad Guzan? I'd like him on the team. Yeah, well, that's a key. Um, oh, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. There's not many 30 over players. Well, I mean, I just want to, I just want to make sure you're not getting too caught up in like 2022. Okay, but, got, like, but Lee wins, Lee wins, yeah. tw- Lee wins 29. I want him on the team. He'll be 31 at the World Cup. I'm saying, the, who's 30 or 31 right now that we have? Everyone's like 33 or 34. How old's Cameron? Cameron's 30, actually, I think. 29 or 30. Okay. So, there you go, Cameron. I think he definitely needs to be a part of the team. But we have... But in my mind, we have these guys who are just as good. Maybe not as Dempsey, but who are just as good as these, these some of these other guys. Some of these other older players. Do, do you think that Dempsey is... I mean, I guess we should, uh, we're talking more specifically about Canada, but, but just some thoughts on Dempsey... And his role going forward. Dempsey can still do it. I just don't know. I don't know if he fits in with this team. I don't think he and Josie are a great strike partner. Okay, we, we see Klinsman love to play two up top. I mean, whether it seems well, yeah. like there are two strikers playing he, all the time. He said he, said he was going. Another question, he basically but. said he wants to develop a, uh, a strike partnership. And, but we did see a 4-3-3 at the end there. When uh, Finley came on for Jordan Morris. Finley 
Althador Kiesvetter up top, and then Bradley Trapp and Nagby in the midfield. Bradley Trapp, that's the, that's the midfield I wanted to see, but, I mean, they only played for, like, four minutes. Uh, but, sorry, what were you going to say? I, I cut you off there, my bad. My apologies. I mean, I was, I was just going to say, I don't think, I'm not sure that there's a consistent striker that I really see up top with Altidore. I mean, there's definitely players who can be more talented than Dempsey. It's just that Dempsey is still safe, I think. I don't think he's going to... Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think Bobby Wood's a good option. Uh, he's, Bobby Wood he's this needs weekend. to not get out of the, that Bundesliga, too. Why? Because... It's, a, it's at least the same level as MLS. I mean, sure, he's playing well for the national team, but will he get better? I mean, I guess that's... What's that? He's like 22. Well, okay. I mean, we have 17-year-olds playing for the second-best team in Gary Wanton. But he's not a striker. Okay, fair, fair enough. But, but you don't think Bobby Wood could play better than in the second division in Germany? Even the Nether- I think I think the Netherlands would be a good place for him. Fine, but I think that that's just your perception of like second division. You just don't want any players in second divisions anywhere. Like you you would you would much rather have a player from MLS or the Netherlands or even probably Norway than a Bundesliga two team because it's second division. You know you know what? you know that there is that division. There's one division higher. And it's not the highest level in that country. I feel like that's your mindset, because that used to be my mindset, and we have very similar thought process. Thought processes? Thought processes? Processes? processes. Yeah. No, first processes, right? Process, I don't well, know. No, I don't know how to pronounce it. I know how to spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, um, no, well, the, well, it's not so much that. It's it's that, like, because you, you can go you go to MLS in Netherlands or different countries. That makes sense. But, like, when you're playing in the second division... It's not like a cultural thing. It's just you're not good enough to play in the first division. So no, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying like there's an actual reason to play the Netherlands or MLS because there's other like there are other there countries. Are other that, factors. Okay. Yeah. Like fine. For, for, it just means that, yeah. Okay. Fine. I'll, I'll maybe I'll concede that point. I'm just saying like Eric Lehigh can help this team. He, he's oh, play, Danny he's Williams. Like, Danny Williams can help this well, team. Yeah, that's yeah, not William a play. I didn't even mention him. Yeah. yeah. Um. And he's killing it, too. And why does everyone forget Alejandro Bedoya? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's so good. He's, he's definitely... He's just he'll, he'll definitely be... I think he'll be starting. See, but that's the thing. You know, all these MLS wingers are exciting, but are any of them really going to start over Fabian Johnson and Alejandro Bedoya? Probably not. No. Probably not. Nah. I mean, unless Bedoya starts in midfield. How, how much training do we have before Copa America? Oh, I don't know the answer to these questions. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it starts what's with, like, the time between? June, like? June 3rd is the first ma- our first match. That's not much time. Wow, before. okay. So, and when's the Champions League? The second week of May? Yeah, second or third week of May, I think. Yeah. But uh, what did you, you think of Jordan Morris while we were talking, I mean, while we were talking about strikers? Uh, you know, our account tweeted that he's going to play 90 minutes because he started, but they were wrong. Yeah, well, we need to get on our social media. <laughs> um, well, I tweeted at him. Yeah. <laughs> I tweeted at our account. Um... I thought he was exciting. He was good. Uh, He's still... I thought his touch let him down a little bit. Uh, Canada kind of packed it in, which I think was hard for him. He likes to just run and get in behind defenses. That's something that I feel like we don't see enough from, like, Aaron Johansson. He he just looks so proactive. That's why... uh, That's why maybe Josie and Morris is such an exciting pair. But I think Bobby Wood is a better Jordan Morris at this moment in time 
I mean, I don't know how you can say otherwise. Well. Because 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 Jordan Morris got an offer from Werder Bremen. Yeah, I mean, he's playing first division soccer. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even played yet. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. Well, okay, he's also younger. I mean, I, he's just... He's like a year younger. Like, I don't know if you want to put... Jordan your, Morris is four years... What's the expression? Jordan Morris... Or something. All your eggs in one basket? Yeah. Jordan it. Morris is a full cycle older than Christian Pulisic. Like, he's not that young. He's he's older than Kellen Acosta, Matt Miazga. Uh, but the fact that he's come out at that... Okay, I'm a Jordan age. Morris fan. I wrote an article for Between the Touchlines that was like a star is born or something like that. I mean, I love Jordan Morris... I also don't think he's ready, which is not a big deal. This is January camp. It was nice to see him. Uh, I think he he is going to be a great player. But well, we'll see. I think I think I, mean, I would put Aaron Johansson ahead of. I mean, right now ahead of these players. But, but if he can stay healthy, yeah, no, no, he's he's returned to training. Yes, that's how I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you know Aaron Johansson's your favorite player of all Dude, time. He's not my favorite player of all time. Len <laughs> Donovan's your favorite. You got an Aaron Johansson jersey for the World Cup, but over Clint Dempsey. And it mattered because Josie went out in the first game. Yeah, but Johansson was injured too. Yeah, but that was after. That was after he was subbed in Wanda, for Josie. Yeah, but Wando played. Yeah, Wando. Why would I get a Wando jersey? No, yeah, you should have gotten a Josie jersey or Fabian Johnson. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Jermaine Jones. I mean, Johnson. Yeah, we need to praise... No, we need to praise Bedoya more than we do. As well, yeah, we, we talk about Fabian Johnson all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he went through, like, that one month that was just incredible for Bertrand Richard Anyways. Got a huge update in FIFA. Fabian Johnson. Yeah, he did. And Matt Miazga. You care way more about the FIFA updates than I do. Okay, Matt Miazga's update's insane. Okay, we don't need to talk about <laughs> Exactly. What did you think about Brandon Vincent making his uh, first appearance? Oh, I'm so glad you brought this guy up. I, I love him. I think he's great. He hasn't played a match yet, and I thought he was very, very good defensively. I thought he was good going forward. He got a shot off. He got a couple of dangerous crosses in. He looked better than Kellen Acosta in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And Kellen Acosta played a, a match and a half of soccer. Brandon Vincent only played a half. But Brandon Vincent was more impressive. And partially, that's because Kellen Acosta was playing out of position. But I, I think Brandon Vincent was great. I honestly, I feel more comfortable. I mean, I don't really think there's anyone else in the pool I feel, right now that are dedicated left-backs, which is crazy to say because he also hasn't played a professional match, that I feel more comfortable with. I think... Yeah, no, you can't say that. I can't say that? You cannot. Why? That you feel the most comfortable with... Well, I know, Imagine I played a professional yeah, minute or... Made one appearance, two appearances. Fine, right. fine. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, he, via Fania is one I'd like to see. Greg Garza. Brexhay is done, yeah. No, I just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about Brexhay at left back. What is, Timothy Chandler, is he going to... I love how you here? use, I love how you use his full first name. His full first name? Timothy. Oh. Instead of just saying Tim. <laughs> or Timmy. Yeah, I guess I don't say Timothy Howard. <laughs> Clint, Clinton Dempsey. Breckenshay. Brecken. Isn't his name Clint Breckenshay? Or is it just Breckenshay? Hosmer. Altador. Is it just Josmer, isn't it? Josmer? What are, what are, what are <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? Uh, I Bre- think I asked about a left back. Breckenshay. Oh, Tim Chandler. Yeah. Timmy Chandler. Um, no, I like Timmy Chandler, but he hasn't been very good this season, so I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. Uh... 
you know, honestly, if these if these wingers start playing well, we're probably going to see Fabian Johnson at fullback. I mean, we have a surplus. Fabian Johnson, we know, is a proven fullback. He's he's good there. He's even he is better than any other option we have at fullback, even though that's not his best position. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that Fabian Johnson would be the best player playing left back, right back, right midfield, right wing, any, like, <laughs> wide position, basically. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we'll play a 3-5-2. Cameron, Brooks, Cameron, Miazga. <laughs> Miazga. Oh, yeah, we, we yeah. talked a little bit about Matt Miazga coming up, so watch out for that. Uh, one more thing I want to ask is that who do you think our direct set-piece taker should be? Like, oh, so you mean, like, free kicks? Yeah, I mean, we saw Josie take one against Canada. It was wide left. He took two. One two. went right into the wall. I mean, Brad- Michael Bradley already has corners and crosses. Yeah, but, you know, that, yeah he's, so that's, he's that, that means he can't take free kicks? No, no, no. no, no I'm, oh, I'm, like, I'm oh, some, he's okay, a lock yeah, on okay, okay. I was just talking about shots. Um, yeah, definitely. I think... There was someone... I think was it Shea, Shea who took... Yeah, Shea, yeah. Shea scored against Switzerland from a free kick. When he yeah, did, when yeah. he put his hand on his face or whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking about that. He was um, on like the right side of the box, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Josie scored though against Bosnia. Wonderful free kick. Okay. Uh, Twenty thirteen. That's three years ago. It's well two and a half years ago. <laughs> um, I guess Josie Dempsey, if he's there, uh, maybe Bradley Nagby. I don't know. We don't really have many great set piece takers. We have some in the only if it's Stu right? Holden. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about Stu Holden. Oh, we, well, we can now. We'll talk about him after we're done with Okay, him. yeah, after the... After, after we're completely done guest. with this. Yeah, so who who's your man of the match for against Canada? I think Josie. Josie Alcidor. You know what? No, I'm going to take it back. Michael Bradley. Uh, I think Michael Bradley is just so good in the midfield that that final MLS or hockey assist was just amazing. His work rate is top-notch. Josie's a close second. I'd say Mixed Discrude is a third. That's my yeah. What about you? How do you feel? Uh, I would say that Josie and Bradley are definitely my top two. I, I like I said before, I think Bradley played better, but I mean Josie just impressed me a lot. I yeah. mean, in all aspects of the game, aerially he was fine. Uh, hold up play. Yeah, the one runs. that the he had a through ball and he turned. Uh, is it Victoria or Victoria? Yeah, yeah, Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. I, I don't. He turned him and then he got pulled to the ground. Remember that when he when he turned, he let the ball run by him, made a turn, and was in on goal. Uh, might be a red card in in other situations. I mean, he was very good. Um, the other player I just want to touch on quickly is Will Trap. I thought he was good. I, he had one really really bad giveaway. Um, but I thought he looked comfortable. And man I, of the I match. Can't. No, 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 not man of the match. Right. Not man of the match. <laughs> I just wanted to see him. Yeah, but uh, Michael Bradley, man. I it's exciting love... to have him playing well. <gasps> you I... love Michael Bradley? <laughs> I was going to say I love him in his head. <laughs> you hated Michael Bradley. No, you never hated him. You, know, you never hated him. No, I, you were just very critical. I was critical of him ever since. Yeah, I'm sort of, I've always been sort of a Michael Bradley and Josie apologist. Um, you know that about me. I, 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 I support them. Um, at one point you were critical of Josie. Well, Josie, yeah, but last, yeah, towards the end of last year. Um, but I'm excited. You know, there are some players. Keith Vetter was another one I was excited, I'm excited about. Uh, it, it'll be an interesting March. We have, of course, the two World Cup qualifiers against Guatemala and Guatemala. One of them we will be at in Columbus. And then we have the Olympic qualifiers against Colombia. 
how important do you think the Olympics are? I mean, they're, you know, they're not FIFA sanctioned. Uh, just, you I, only get a few players above the age of 23. What do you think? I think it's important because it, it, it having that age group together can be really, really useful going forward. Yeah. But I see, I don't, I don't know if like a player like Brooks and Yedlin, if they're good enough to play in the Copa America, I don't know. I see, I don't know if they should play in the Olympics of the Copa America. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think so either. I think maybe having Palmer Brown, Miazga, uh, Carter Vickers. But I think I don't know. I mean, I think it may be cool to see Yedlin tr- try to shine in a competition because I think. Maybe. I just don't have a good feeling about him if he plays in Copa America. Well, know. he played really well today at right back. Okay, I didn't. For, I didn't for Sunderland, that, yeah. I mean, today was a good day. Pulisic played. John Brooks was amazing. Uh, look for the Americans abroad. Americans abroad top five at the end of this uh, podcast after the interview. All right, we're gonna jump into that right now. Uh, here we go. Hello, everyone. We'd like to welcome our guest Carlos Mojica. Uh, he writes for a website named CentroDeportivo.com, and there he specializes about the U.S. men's national team and the Columbus Crew SC. He also uh, is a, currently working as the communications coordinator for, for MPSL, and he is also the media relations specialist for AFC Cleveland and MPSL team. So how are you doing today, Carlos? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. Uh, we look forward to talking about a lot of different things, mainly uh, the U.S. national team. Um, of course, the U.S. is coming off a one nothing win against Canada uh, last night. So why don't we get right into it? Uh, what player do you think gained the most out of this January camp? Who impressed you specifically? Um, so I was a bit underwhelmed with Ethan Finley during the first game, only because, you know, covering Kurosi is something that I do. I've, I've seen the best of him. Uh, first game, he seemed jittery, but he really impressed me the last game. And granted, it was only two minutes that he played. <laughs> But the fact that he was able to go out there and instantly make an impact was uh, left a pretty good impression on me. Yeah, um, do you think? Uh, do you think he can be a left-sided player? Of course, for the for the crew, we see Justin Miram on that side uh, more, and Finley pretty much exclusively on the right. Uh, although against Canada last night, we saw him on the left side, and that's where he was effective, uh, albeit for two or three minutes, as you said. Uh, is that something you think you think we might see with him going forward uh, with the crew and with the national team? You know, I would need to see him playing the left for a little bit longer to make a proper assessment. Uh, like I said, two minutes is fairly short. Uh, to go back to the first question, the other guy that left a good impression on me was uh, Jerome. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his last name. Keysweater. Mm. He, especially the first game, he was just a constant threat. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he. He honestly, he was also very impressive. Sahel, what do you think of Keith Sweater's performance? I, I, I hope uh, he sort of s- continues to break in with the Stuttgart first team. He's made a, he's made the bench a couple of times, um, but he's an exciting prospect. Uh, he's been fantastic for the under twenty threes as well. Yeah, I feel like outside midfielders have kind of disappointed us recently in the last few years, and it's nice to see a little bit of that explosiveness, uh, kind of Donovan esque ish. Him and Pul- he and Pulisic. Uh, I'm going to look forward to see their development curves uh, in the years to come. Yeah. Well, I think part of that is the fact that over the past few years, probably the last few years, you've seen a lack of true white players in the national team. Mm-hmm. And then since the World Cup, or following the World Cup, you really haven't seen that many players who truly are wingers or play wide beyond uh, Zuzi and uh, Davis. So. Right. 
Um, last year, I thought that we were playing fairly narrow, so it's nice to have some of those wide players to stretch the field. Yeah, exactly. And you know, speaking of wide players, maybe not uh, being their best position. Do you think Giassi Zardes uh, should be a starter at this level? Um, and how do you evaluate his performance in the January camp and, and the last year? He was sort of the breakout uh, star, I guess, for the U.S. Uh, in 2015. Uh, do you think that he's better than some of these players like Darlington Nagby, Lee Wynn, Ethan Finley? Uh, how, how do you evaluate him? You know, he... I still can't figure out what his best position is, and that's not a knock on him. I think it speaks to his versatility. But um, if we're going to be using white players, you know, I would, I would much prefer to see Fabian Johnson out there. Right, yeah. So uh, so he's not an automatic starter for me in the men's national team, at least not as a white player. Up front, uh, maybe. I mean, it seems like Altidore is starting to get back on his feet, but we'll see how long that lasts. It seems to be pretty inconsistent, so. Yeah, I think Fabian Johnson definitely. Um, on the other side, though, I think, I mean, I think it's I think it's up for grabs. You know, Zardes is there, maybe Bedo- Alejandro Bedoya, um, and some of these other MLS guys. Uh, I mean, personally, a player, I, I don't know how you feel about him, a player that I really want to see with the national team is Sebastian Legette, uh, the LA Galaxy winger. Um, what do you think about him? Uh, he, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I've, uh, he's one of the players that I was hoping would make the January camp. Uh, he and Ethan Finley were top of my list. Uh, so I was surprised that he didn't get a call. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, later on this year we can have a couple of friendlies and he can get some playing time and we can get a better feel for how he fits in with the uh, Klinsman system. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was definitely disappointed not to see him. I was I was happy to see Ethan Finley, though. I thought maybe we wouldn't get either of them, uh, but luckily we got Finley. Uh, uh, so, do you think that there was anyone... I mean, you just said that you, you expected Sebastian Lechette to be there, or you wanted him to be there. So, is there anyone do you, that you think was in the camp but didn't deserve necessarily to be there? That was in the camp but didn't deserve to be there? Yeah. Um, I know, I've been, um... I've been a little bit critical of Jermaine Jones' performances over the past few games, and given that this camp seemed designed to give young players a chance, I thought he might have been left out of the roster so that they could try other players in his position. So I guess I was a little bit disappointed to see him there in that sense. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Especially, we do have an abundance of central midfielders. In this camp alone, we had... Aside from him, we had, uh, you know, we had Will Trapp, Tony Chani, uh, Mix Discrude, uh, and, you know, a lot of those guys, especially Trapp and Chani, didn't really get to play. Perry Kitchen is another one. Um, so I, I was definitely a little bit disappointed that, with that. I agree with you. Uh, speaking of Jermaine Jones, do you think that he will be a part of this, of the, of this cycle? Do you think he can be a valuable player in 2018, either as a center back or as a, as a midfielder? I don't know that Jermaine Jones can't be can have an impact in 2018. I think I'm, I'm guessing the reason Klinsman keeps him around is because he, you know, he sees him as an authoritative figure or someone the younger guys can look up to. But if it's based solely on performance, then I don't. I wouldn't say he has a guaranteed spot. Although Klinsman's made uh, stranger decisions in the past. <laughs> That's yeah, I, I definitely don't think he would be a. He, he's not in 
he's not one of our best center backs in the pool or one of our best midfielders. Usually it's for just for depth reasons that we see him on the field. But and I'll say this with I do think he's uh, he does well as a midfielder. My issue with him is that he's unable to keep focus for the entire ninety minutes. So mm-hmm. when you pair him up with someone like Bradley, who seems to be um, Clinton's preferred uh, partner for for Jones. His inability to stick to his defensive role restrains Bradley from going forward or joining on the attack. Or if uh, Bradley's uh, on, on the attack and then Jones decides to join him, the back is exposed. Right. Whereas with someone like Kyle Beckerman, mm-hmm. Kyle Beckerman may not have been as skillful of a player, but he knew his role and he performed it quite well. And I think we could get something along the same lines with... Uh, someone like Will Trapp down mm-hmm. the road, or even Jeff Cameron, who's performed that role before. Right, and you know, I was actually, I think on the last podcast, I was talking to Sahil about this. I would really like to see Jeff Cameron in that central defensive midfield role for this cycle. That's, you know, he's playing there for Stoke right now, um, or recently he's been playing there. Uh, and I feel like we do have other center backs, you know, John Brooks, Matt Beasler, uh, Omar Gonzalez, who's playing fantastically well in, in uh, Liga MX. Uh, so. I, I definitely agree with you. Jeff Cameron is a player I would really like to see play there, uh, maybe next to Bradley. I, I think the big thing is if you can see a consistent pair out of Omar Gonzalez and one of those left-footed center backs, because Klinsman doesn't usually like to play two left-footed center backs. Yeah. So uh, the problem is that he might you know, want to play Jeff Cameron just to, and a player like Beasler and Brooks, uh, instead of, you know... Not playing or playing Gonzalez. Yeah, I think I think he's he said that he said that on record before. He, he likes to have a right footed and a left footed center back. So, although that didn't stop Ventura, Alvarado, and oh wait, actually no, he played with Brooks. Never mind. Um, yeah. Uh, so I mean, who who else generally do you think impressed you? Did anyone? Steve Birnbaum was another player um, who seemed to do well, maybe out of position at right back. Um, I mean, was there anyone else on the on the in the January camp, who stood out to you? As far as the new guys or including the returners? Uh, we can say both, uh, including the returners, like Josie or Michael Bradley. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, Michael Bradley didn't impress me, not because he didn't play well, but because he's always been consistent, so you come to expect him to to play well, and when he doesn't play well, it's sort of a letdown. So, no, he did well. I thought that... Um, Sweater, like I said before, he did very, very nice, and I, I know I'm butchering his last name. So. <laughs> no, it's, uh, what, what about Darlington Nagby? I, I, oh yes, Nagby. I, you know, I was disappointed not to see more of him. It seemed like he broke through with the national team, and maybe he would be a starter in this camp. Um, it just seems like another thing, like Zardes. We we don't know whether uh, his best position for the national team is centrally or on the wing, although. Centrally, he played very, very well for Portland. We saw that firsthand against uh, Columbus. Yes, I Nagby really impressed me. I said that Lee win. Yeah, uh, and I actually think that the two of them. And I, I, don't, I don't know if it's something that I saw, but I think they would have a good chemistry together. Um, they seem to have that. They seem to see the spaces that other people don't see and make the runs other people don't make. Um. I think I agree with you. I think Nagby would perform better centrally. Right. Um, but he linked very well with uh, Keyswater in the first game, and that was good to see going forward, you know? Yeah. Sahil, were you going to say something? Yeah. 
I think generally, though, when you pair an attacking-minded midfielder with Bradley, he tends to be not as impressive. Like, we saw him with mixed discrude at the start of the Canada game, and he was just not as effective as he won as he was against Iceland because he was allowed to be, go more forward and obviously assisted Josie on that first goal against Iceland. But. Yeah, but we don't have to play a two-man. See, I would have I liked to see Nagby, Bradley, and Trap in the midfield, or Kitchen. Uh, I think that would have been really, really interesting to see a three-man midfield and then maybe three forwards. Uh, I was hoping we'd see that, but unfortunately we, we didn't. Um, but yeah, Lee, Lee Wynn is another guy, like you said. I I, I mean, we, we've been wanting to see him for a while. Uh, he's a little bit older, I would say, but I mean, I, he's not really that old. He's 29, so um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, do you think, he, do you think he, Lee Wynn is the big winner of this camp? Um, he, Jurgen Klinsmann was sort of singing his praises and started both matches. I would say so. I mean, last year you saw him have a hard time breaking into the national team. He would get opportunities and you would see glimpses of his uh, skill, uh, but that'd be it. He didn't really seem, seem to fit in, whereas this time around he was able to orchestrate plays and he was more proactive than last year. So, yeah, I would say he's among the winners. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would probably agree with that. So, what do you think of Lee Wynn? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he did a really nice job of playing. He didn't, he didn't really force the whole outside midfield role. He, he played like how he can up the, through the middle and he, he, I think he made the, uh, the attack look really good against Iceland. That's where he stood, uh, stood out to me most. Uh, that entire midfield just looked really good in that game. Yeah. I mean, overall it was a more open game. Canada sort of, uh, packed it in a little bit. I'd, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. They played with 10 or 11 men behind the ball. Uh, it was discouraging to see us struggle to get possession for some parts of the game because of their press. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, but do you think uh, this alleviates any pressure on Jurgen Klinsmann? Did you see signs that we're moving forward as a national team? Um, or do you think this is just a product of playing two not-so-strong teams in, in a January camp? I mean, it's a friendly, and I always say, you know, with friendlies, the score really isn't as important as what you see on the field as far as performance and chemistry. So with friendlies, people shouldn't be focused so much on the results. I mean, we won both games, so I wouldn't say we necessarily look great against either team, especially against Canada. Mm. Um, I don't know that it alleviates any pressure because there's nothing riding on the match beyond right. an exercise to try new players and test different things. I think a lot of people are going to be frustrated by the fact that some experiments, that, that Clinton was experimenting with something, or he was repeating experiments that he had done in the past, such as Jermaine Jones at center back. We know that's failed. He's not, he's not a center back. He hasn't played well as a center back, so I think a lot of people will be frustrated to see him going back to that well when there's nothing to be there. Now, on the positive side, the fact that newer players, younger players, got time out there, um, that will make a lot of people happy, especially last year there was say, such a uh, clamor for players like Finley to be on the national team win, so, yeah. so I think that that's a positive you can take out of this. Uh, new players got chances. Yeah. So. so looking at January camp in the big picture, we saw Taylor Twelman say something about 
this January camp being more relaxed, how do you think Klinsman handled the, the training aspect of this January camp differently? And do you think Jason Christ uh, being part of the training made a difference? No, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I, was, I think he did have some sort of impact. I mean, uh, I think people, the players certainly respect Klinsman, uh, although they might be apprehensive about some of the tactics that he uses, given what they might have heard from other players. Uh, when you have uh, former players like Landon Donovan, you know, criticizing him, some younger players might have his abilities, but when you bring someone in like Kreis, who is someone that's very respected among MLS circles, then I think it was good probably for the chemistry of the team. Yeah. Uh, he's a great... It'll be interesting to see if he plays a role with the national team going forward, uh, maybe as a tactician, maybe like Yogi... Um, low was for, for the Germany in, with Klinsmann in 2006. I yeah. think I'd be interested in that. Um, obviously, one of the top American coaches in the game, uh, Jason Kreis, is. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he gets a job um, with the national team. Um, okay, so this is more also more big picture. picture. Uh, do you feel as if there's a lack of representation of Hispanic Americans on the U.S. men's national team? Uh, I know you have a vested interest in, in these types of uh, stories. You know, I don't know. I don't know that we're necessarily underrepresented, but uh, I think there's a lot more talent out there that should be scouted, and it escapes not just the men's national team, but a lot of uh, MLS teams and even NASL teams. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if we look at some of the players that have been the national team or are part of the national team picture right now, Omar Gonzalez is one, mm-hmm. Alejandro Bedoya is one, Romando. Robles, uh, you know, these are all Hispanic guys. Uh, Ventura Alvarado, who, who you know, may have criticized, he, you know, he, he's Hispanic. Uh, Joe right. Corona was given a chance mm-hmm. in the past. Right. Uh, Miguel Ibarra, who played in, he wasn't playing in MLS, he, uh, he was given a chance. So I don't think we're necessarily underrepresented. Um, I just think that there's a lot of good Hispanic players out there who maybe having had the chance to sign for a club, and thus that minimizes their ability to potentially make a national team. Okay, so you, you think the problem is identifying the Hispanic talent maybe in, like, L.A. or uh, in, in places where there are uh, higher Hispanic populations? Well, I think it's an issue that affects not just Hispanic players, but uh, a lot of other communities as well, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, growing up, I, I had to stop playing soccer in high school because it became paid to play. My family couldn't afford it. Right. And I'm not saying that I'll, I'll have a national team or anything like that, but <laughs> that kept me from playing. And that was the case for a lot of other people. And it wasn't just Hispanics. It was, you know, African-American. Right. Um, Caucasian. You know, just all kinds of people that because of the price involved in soccer, or maybe they weren't able to play with like, with a uh, traveling team, that meant that they were not getting scouted. Right, and you know, actually, Sah- Sahel and I talked about this on the previous podcast, the pay-to-play uh, aspect of the game is something that's really, I think, really sets the U.S. back. I, I was, you know, Clint Dempsey, he he might not even be a soccer player if, if his sister didn't pass away, or Eddie Johnson if he didn't find a family who could pay for him to play, a div- a, an outside family. He might not have been a soccer player either. Uh, so, I mean, that's definitely a big problem. We're, we're missing out on a lot of talent because soccer is still sort of an elitist sport in this country. 
Um, whereas that's that's not really the case in most other countries. You know, I hear that a lot, and I agree that it's not the case that it's not elitist in the sense that anybody plays soccer. Right. But ultimately, if you go to an academy, then you have more chances. That's true, and, yeah. And that's the same here yeah. or anywhere else. Um, right. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we have a Brazilian player in the MPSL, Mario Pinto, we actually just did a piece on him, and he... He transferred to the. He got a scholarship to the U.S. to play at uh, Lincoln Memorial University, and uh, he was a stand-up for the college team there. And then he played with the MPSL for two seasons. Well, when he went back to Brazil, because he had the chance to play in college here, and because he had the chance to play in the MPSL, he was actually picked up by a Sao Paulo second division team, Noroeste. Uh, okay. And when I was talking to him, he said that a lot of Brazilian players want to come to the U.S. because they actually see more chances here. So, interesting. Yeah, I think maybe at the professional level there are there are a lot of chances. Um, I don't know. I just I I I know people personally who maybe would they they definitely wouldn't make the national team, but who ha- you know who didn't stop playing soccer for that reason. But I mean that's as you said that's not. Only in this country. It's also not just soccer. A lot of sports are expensive to play uh, here uh, with club teams. So, But, yeah, you know, I, I think we can all agree that it does play a big part in keeping kids from playing sports, whether it prevents them from just having a hobby that they can no longer partake in or whether it prevents them from potentially becoming professional players. Right. And I think, I think maybe the issue is, I mean, we're, we're moving towards – a place where, you know, people play soccer uh, casually. Uh, I mean, it's definitely happening more and more. I see it a lot now. Uh, but in other countries, like Brazil, I, everyone, pretty much everyone grows up playing the sport. Uh, whereas here, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to even find a place to play. I think a lot of uh, these teams would benefit from scouting not just... Uh, minor leagues, but even amateur leagues. I mean, there's a lot of Hispanic league, of Hispanic leagues throughout the country, where you know they don't, they don't necessarily get paid or anything, but they well, obviously they don't get paid for amateur. But uh, <laughs> where people where you have a lot of good players, and if the teams could take the time to scout those leagues, they might find some hidden gems. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's very. Yeah. So. Uh, you you write a lot of stuff about uh, soccer culture in America, so uh, yeah, you can, you, of course check that out if you're listening to this podcast. And yeah, we'll have a link to um, Carlos's website in the description. I would definitely recommend it. There's some very very interesting articles, uh, and, and obviously there's stuff about the U.S. national team, as Sahil said earlier as well. So a big transfer for a lot of uh, American fans has been Matt Miazga's move to Chelsea. Do you think that uh, he can succeed there, Carlos? You know, he, I think he's young enough that he'll be given that he has enough time to develop and fit in there. Uh, I think it's too early to tell whether he can succeed or not. I think uh, all U.S. soccer fans are cheering for him. Mm. Uh, I mean, this isn't a small Premier League side that picked him up. This isn't. Uh, this is not not a knock on the other teams, but this, this isn't uh, Sunderland or this isn't Stoke, and I. Again, that's not a knock on, on those teams, but this is a Chelsea's a team that spends and spends big. 
So to see them interested in an American player, I think says a lot about Miazga's talent and uh, potential. What what did you see out of him in MLS this season that makes you think he's re- if you if you do think he's ready at this point in time um, for for the Premier League? I think that giving his age, oh, he's very mature for his age, which is something that's a trait that you see among a lot of uh, players that go on to do well. Um, that's something that was said of Michael Bradley. He was very composed at a young age. Mm-hmm. You can see that in Will Trap. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, speaking of Will Trap, uh, where, what do you see for him in the future uh, in terms of club soccer or and the national team? Um, obviously, he has the U23 uh, home and away versus Columbia coming up. Um, I think he will be a mainstay in the men's national team, provided that he's not uh, encumbered by injuries. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's been through the youth system. He's developing at a steady pace, um, and I think that given his age, he, I think, he's expressed some interest in playing overseas. Although, don't quote me on that. So, I, I would like to see him maybe try Europe at some point if. Uh, if there's any clubs, uh, we'll give him a chance. And like I said, I think you, you as soccer fans would be cheering for him. Yeah, he's a really, really exciting. He's another player who seems really composed, and uh, he's just an exciting prospect. I'm excited to see where his career takes him. But you, you mentioned the point of, you know, Will Trapp going abroad. Uh, I always like to talk about this topic, but uh, he, uh, like Jossie's artist, like how DeAndre Yedlin was, was a homegrown player, and, you know, he's still playing on the club which uh, youth system he was brought up through. So do you think uh, it would it would hurt the team's image, maybe the league's image, if a homegrown player like that is, is transferred away? No. I mean, I think it would speak to the level of their system, that they were able to develop a player that was so good that European teams were interested in him, that was able to go abroad. Um, I know in the past Greg Berhalter has said that they want to be able to develop players and have them go overseas. So, I mean, I, I don't think it would hurt the image of the team. I don't think MLS would necessarily be happy with it because uh, it might not be in their best interest. Uh, right now, Will Trap is one of the faces of uh, Carissi, and like you said, the fact that he's homegrown and he's just another kid from Ohio very much plays into um, the alluring factor that he has for Carissi fans. So if he left, that would be lost, but... There's other homegrown players. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so since you're talking about MLS, jo- jo- Josie Altador, obviously a star player for the U.S. men's national team, one of the best players in the pool. He scored two goals uh, in these January camp friendlies. Do you think that he made the right decision coming back to MLS at the age of 20, uh, 25 for Toronto FC? No, it's kind of a hard question because... <laughs> There's a lot of factors that go in. I imagine that when you're an athlete and, you know, you're being offered money, you want to do what's in your best interest, you know, because he could get injured tomorrow and his career would be over. So I think it's in his best interest as far as the financial side and stability side maybe, but as far as developing his talents, then no. Um, I was, you know, it was a shame he didn't do as well as he did in England, uh, especially after the great season he had in uh, the Netherlands. So I, I would like to see to maybe have seen him return to the Netherlands or mm-hmm. try his luck elsewhere in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still don't think that's out of the question. I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed in MLS for the rest of his career, but I feel like uh, 
I, I don't think it's out of the question that he might go back to the Netherlands or to Europe but, uh, in a couple of years. Maybe not, though. Maybe he's settled here. Um, I mean, I think one of the mistakes made was that I think he tried... Right away, you could see that Josie didn't really have a great fit with Sunderland. And then when he tried to... He, he, he tried to, like, extend his career there, and he kept on trying to fit in and make it work. But it, maybe if he left earlier, he wouldn't be discouraged from the whole idea of playing away from home. I mean, even though he plays for Toronto, but you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, w- going back to January Camp and and Josie, uh, what did you see from him in these two matches um, that maybe we didn't see last year? Not by many by many people's standards, he wasn't that great for the national team or for Toronto last year. Well, you know, obviously there's the fact that he scored goals, so that's right. always a plus. But um, he seemed to be making more runs, more runs than he was that maybe he wasn't making last year. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction for him. I wouldn't necessarily say that you know, oh, Altidore's back or he proved that he can be a dominant force in the MLS. It's just it's a step in the right direction, right, for him. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. So, what young players do you have your eye out eye out in 2016 to be part of the U.S. men's national team pool? I haven't made any appearances yet uh, for us. Um, you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, the only name that pops up, and I'm not sure. I know he's played at the youth level. I, don't, I can't remember if he's played at the senior level or not. I want to say he has. Is uh, Viafana. I think he's had a game or two for the men's national team. I spelled, and I know he's not exactly young. Right. But. Uh, that was one name that I was hoping to see. Oh, no, he hasn't played for He this hasn't year. played. Yeah, he hasn't played. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, he... We, well, left back is a need we have. We really need uh, a left back. And he was so good for Portland this year. Um, it would be fantastic to see him. And he's playing well for Santos. Yeah, and the thing that struck me most about the MLS Cup Finals, like going in, people were talking about... Ethan Finley and what he could do to Portland, but Biafana pretty much kept him shackled. Yeah, yeah. So I think that speaks to his ability to help in the defensive end of things, and he's also able to get up forward when needed. So yeah, um, he's a player that that we'd really like to see, um, especially given the position. We we really don't have many options there. Uh, I don't know if Kellen Acosta is the answer. Yeah, and uh, like I said, he's not—he's not exactly young, but he's not old either. He's twenty-six, no. so I mean, the, he could be in the picture for the two thousand eighteen cycle yeah. if uh, you know if he were to join now, or if, uh, or if Clinton were to call him rather. Yeah, and I think he would have been a player uh, that was a part of the January camp if he didn't make the move to Mexico. Uh, at least I would like to think so. I guess we yeah. we never really know with Klinsman, as you said. <laughs> A lot of Americans have been, you know, going crazy about the 17-year-old sensation Kristen Pulisic. He, uh, he just made an appearance uh, for the Borussia Dortmund senior team against Ingolstadt uh, last weekend. Do you think that he is going to appear for the senior men's national team? We've seen him appear for youth national teams uh, in the past. I think he needs time to develop. I mean, a, a problem that that's occurred with uh, soccer in the U.S. is that you get a young prospect and you put all of the spotlight on them, mm-hmm. so then when they don't perform, it's a huge letdown. But we don't, we don't think about the fact that maybe putting such a big spotlight on them adds to the pressure that they have that maybe other players didn't have when they were developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been players that have played for Borussia Dortmund 
that were American, and I can't even remember their name. I, I know there was one, and uh, Terrence Boyd was there. Uh, yeah, Terrence Boyd. Terrence Boyd was hampered by injury, but right. there was another player who made a couple appearances, and he nothing really happened with him. So, I mean, I, this is a long time ago, but Connor Casey, he's a crew player now. He played for he. I think he made four appearances for Dortmund. <laughs> but that was that was a long. I time mean, ago. Joe Zhao. Joe Zhao. He's injured. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that might have been that. So I yeah. mean, I don't know. I like to see him develop. I, I love to see American players get time in uh, in Europe, and I like the fact that he's doing this at a young age. Yeah. So uh, I think the fact that he plays in Germany will certainly appeal to Klinsmann, who seems to have a preference for players in the Bundesliga. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, moving over to, you know, what you're working on, obviously, you're the communications coordinator, uh, coordinator for MPSL, so, uh, what can we look forward to in this upcoming MPSL season, uh, and, uh, why do you think that, you know, fans should get more into it? Well, it's a very exciting time to be a, a soccer fan in the U.S., and I like to think that the MPSL is part of it. We have 80 teams right now, and, um... We keep growing. <laughs> um, the, we just began a whole uh, rebranding initiative. We have a new logo. We have a new. We have a new. Um, we have a new uh, website uh, with a nicer interface. Uh, we have a couple of new, well, not new divisions. We've rearranged the divisions because of the number of uh, teams that we have in the league now. So it's. Uh, We've had a couple of players that were drafted in the MLS draft recently. Um, we've had uh, we have some alumni that may, that are making the splash. Uh, Chris Cloody was actually an MPSL alumni at one mm. point, so it's uh, like I said, it's, it's just an exciting time to be watching the MPSL because although we're, we're maybe we're not exactly at the base of the of your soccer. Um, we like to think that we have a fairly grassroots approach to the game. Yeah. So, um, you know, people can come to the matches. They can actually interact with the players more so than they would at a higher level. And it's a league that allows players to develop and then go on and make a name for themselves. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Carlos said, 80 teams. If you're in a city with an MPSL team or a lower division team, definitely go support them. Uh, go out to the matches. It's a great time. Um, it's definitely encourage that kind of thing. Uh, and one more project, um, that, uh, you've been working on that's in the works is, is a podcast that you're going to be starting, uh, entitled Enganche. Can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about that and how it maybe will differ from other podcasts? So, um, Enganche is a project I've been working on for a while now. Um, I'll be doing it with two friends of mine, uh, Ed Salaski and Corey Meister and, the premise behind it is that we want to link soccer to the cultural, societal, and historical aspects of life. So um, we might take a look at teams that existed in the U.S. before but no longer exist that maybe left a mark, uh, the Cleveland Crunch, maybe the Cleveland Force. Mm. Uh, we, might, we, we might be exploring what happened in Germany following the end of World War II, as far as the soccer leagues go, and then what happened again when the Berlin Wall came down. Uh, we might be taking a look at the impact that Hispanic players have had in soccer in the U.S., um, 
things of that sort. We want to explore, we think there's a little bit of a gap right now as far as the content that's being created that links soccer to society. Mm. And that's a gap that we'd like to fill. Yeah, that's, you know, that sounds very, very interesting. And uh, to, to, to talk about that side of the game, because it's, it's such a such a big aspect of the societal and, you know, maybe even political impact of the game. Um, a lot of podcasts, ours included, you know, sort of just talk about what's happening currently. Um, so it's, you know, very, very interesting. Uh, and we look forward to hearing more about that. Uh, finally, uh, your website, Centro Deportivo, a great website. Go check it out. As I said, we'll have the link in the description. Um, what can we look forward to on your website in the next few weeks? In the next few weeks, uh, we're getting ready for MLS season to start, so there might be a lot of uh, content about that coming up, and I'll be going to the Columbus Crew jersey release party. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we're then we're going to start getting ready for Copa America, which is not in a few weeks, obviously, but <laughs> the work begins now. So, yeah, um, yeah. We'll be covering Copa America. We're very excited about it. It's the biggest soccer event in the U.S. since the 1994 World Cup, so we'll definitely be there. Awesome. All right, yeah. As we said before, you can check out Carlos Mojica, Mojica's work on uh, centraldeportivo.com, and we'll also let you guys know when his new podcast comes out uh, through social media, so, you know, follow us there so we can tell you about what's going on in Carlos's career. Uh, thank you for coming on. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me, and you guys can follow me at CD underscore Mojica, M-O-J-I-C-A, on Twitter. So, good luck, guys. Yep, thank you so much. And we'll have his Twitter in the description as well. Once again, thank you, Carlos, for being on. Uh, it was a great conversation, and hopefully we can have you on again. Thank you very much. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed the interview with Carlos Mojica. It was a pleasure talking with him. We covered culture, January camp. Uh, it, it was it was a great interview yeah and you know he's always welcome back on the podcast uh make sure you go check out centrodeportivo.com uh check out their articles check out the best of magazine uh it's a great site and we look forward to his new podcast and ganche we do we do and make sure that your browser has a capability of adding another tab because you're going to want to check out ambitiousstrike.com home of ambitious strike if you want 15% off your entire purchase, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yep, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout for 15% off your entire online order. That's at ambitiousstrike.com, A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. And speaking of websites, it's Monday, and I don't think, I don't think the website's going to be live with this episode. So we apologize. Um, that's not a question. We apologize. We do apologize. Uh, man, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. You know? Yeah, it's okay for you because you're not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying you're disappointed in me or it's just disappointing? I'm disappointed in everything. I wanted to have this done three weeks ago. You know what? Maybe I'll just finish it by myself tonight. We'll see what happens. (laughs) But... Yeah, by the time by the time this is live, it probably won't be up. But if it is, um, there will be a link in the description to the website. Yeah, and, I mean, and as always, there's links to all of the websites we just mentioned: Ambitious Strike, uh, Centro Deportivo, and uh, hopefully our website. They are always in the description. 
All right, we're not going to talk that much before we wrap things up, but why don't we start off with uh, the big Premier League game this weekend. Leicester was three points ahead of Manchester City going into this game. That was in the Etihad, and they managed to get the win and stay six points clear of Manchester City in the, at the end. Well, yeah, they got a very, very early goal. Robert Huth scored, and they went up 2 nothing. I think I believe Mahrez scored. Uh, City pulled one back. Uh, but Leicester put it away, 3-1. to one. Another Robert Huth goal, a great header. Um, but, you know, we're not really going to talk about the match. I just, you know, we we want to talk about Leicester because they are fantastic right now. Um, they're the real deal, man. They're six points. It's it's February. It's February, what's today's date? 8th. And uh, Leicester City are six points clear of second place in the Premier League title race. That's insane. It's uh, Wait, actually... Actually, that, that, that's a minor. That's a minor screw up. They're six points ahead of Manchester City, and then they're oh, five Tottenham, points ahead of Tottenham. Yeah, Arsenal. Tottenham won. And Arsenal. So. Oh wait, no, uh, no, no. Oh yeah, five points above City and Arsenal, or Arsenal and Tottenham. Sorry, five five points clear. The London place. clubs, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's crazy when you when you looked at the team before the season started. I mean, you and I, you thought they would finish last place in the league. Yeah, well, you thought they'd get relegated, too, so don't act like you knew. Okay, no, but I, I remember having a decent argument for why I thought they were better than you thought they were. Okay, in, in, in all fairness, like, half of the team and the coach, Nigel Pearson, were gone because of that uh, scandal in Thailand. Do you remember that? With the prostitutes? Yeah, yeah I, I shouldn't have to... Yes, I remember that. Well, well, well is, that, is that a bad... Well, were there multiple Lester scandals? No, you didn't have to specify it. Okay. No, but I'm saying, how did that... Like, imagine if that didn't happen. Nigel Pearson might still be the, the uh, coach of this team, and they might not, they might not even be in the, in the top half of the table. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it goes you, to show you, kids, everything will work out in the end. Okay. <laughs> 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 yes, kids. Um, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Claudio's done a wonderful job with the talent that he's been given. I mean, they they normally play that four four two system with Mahrez on the wing, who often you know likes to cut in or cross it into the forwards. Vardy and Okazaki. He's like a uh, Premier League Ethan Finley. Yeah, I mean, there's no there more, more like Nagby to be honest. I mean, he's kind of like a Bale. If you, like, he's not like Bale. He's mm. more. I mean, Bale. Bale was an out and out goal scorer. It depends. It, it depends what I mean. Yeah, I mean, if for Tottenham, he was not not goal scorer. I mean, if if you're really making comparisons to other Prem players or former Prem players, I mean, I think maybe Eden Hazard. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can definitely see that in, in terms of the creativity. Yeah, uh, Jamie Jamie Vardy just signed a deal th- uh, with Leicester through 2019 too. So statement in, of intent from the club and Vardy. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, and you know, you have to wonder. This might not be a one season wonder. We'll see. Well, well, they have to win. They have got a long way to go. Thirteen matches left this season. So I was watching that one show that we never watch anymore. Yes, PNFC, and. <laughs> You know, they – so you, you look at the other clubs, and Tottenham has 26 possible games to play left. And wait, wait, what? Oh, 26 in, including – Like, at maximum, they could play 26 games, all competitions left in the season. And 25 for both Arsenal and City. But 13 for Leicester City. The lack of games being played for them will allow them to rest up every weekend, play a good match in the Premier League, and I think – 
that could really be the difference maker. Oh my god, Champions League starts next week. Yeah. Uh, Roma Real Madrid, we're about to get smashed. But no. <laughs> holy crap! I wow, it it came up quickly. Sorry, I just was having. I just realized you forgot other competitions existed. <laughs> well, I forgot about Europe. Like I forgot. yeah, I mean Tottenham's in the Europa League. Though. I yeah, get, yeah, I, that's I, why I was confused for a second. But yeah, you know what? That's a good point. I mean, Leicester City only thir- they only have to worry about the Prem. I think uh, Tottenham has a chance to win the league, though. I think that's a team we haven't talked about much at all. They're only five points behind, 45 goals and 19 allowed, by far the best defense in the Premier League right now. Um, Pochettino, Pochettino has done a fantastic job there. And, I, yeah. And, um, you know, it might be good for DeAndre Edlin for them to be in the Champions League. We'll get to we'll get to Edlin a little bit later. I mean, I, I thought... I thought last year, you know, I thought when they got rid of all their veterans over the summer, and I thought didn't think they would have enough experience to, to you know stay this high. But clearly, like all Tottenham fans have been saying, it has been a long term project right. uh, since he came over, and last year was a development year. So right. you know they're doing well. Yeah, they are doing well. I mean, Harry Kane is a top class striker. Um, I mean, Christian Eriksen's hurt, but Dele Ali. How about how about I mean he's fantastic. Uh, yeah. What a what a purchase. I mean a lot of people were saying Bentaleb was going to be the star of the midfield this year. Oh, Ali. Yeah. Surely is. Yeah, Ali. I mean Eric Dyer too. You can't really understate what he's done for the team at, at central defensive mid. It makes you wonder um, what Everton's defense could have looked like if they hadn't gotten rid of Mustafi and Dyer. So. Wait, they had Dyer. <laughs> yeah, they they were both in the in the system. Dyer and Mustafi. Both were cut. Oh, wow. I, well, actually, I don't know if Dyer was cut. sold. Yeah. Like, actually. Released. Waved. <laughs> Waved? Oh, that's the MLS term. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. NFL term. Oh, wait. The Super Bowl happened in between our last recording and this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we recorded the interview and our game review on... on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so... We can talk about that at the end if you want. But okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So why don't we go into your top five Americans abroad? All right. So our top five Americans abroad. Every week I bring you the top five. Wait, Americans. actually, one more thing. Okay. <laughs> this weekend we've got a Valentine's Day clash between Arsenal and Leicester City and Man City at Tottenham. It's gonna be a crazy weekend in the Premier League. Why don't you give your pr- predictions for each? I'll start off with Arsenal at home versus Leicester. Um, I'm, oh, man, that's a tough one. I think uh, Leicester. I think it's going to be a draw, two-two. That's my prediction. A two-two draw. And then I think I think all, I think Tottenham, Man City. Tottenham's at home. City. City's at home. Um, I think Tottenham win. I think they get out of there with a two-to-one victory. Those I'm going to say finish. I'm going to say Arsenal wins at home, and then City Tottenham is a draw. I don't know the score. And like. I have to admit, I will not be watching those matches. So. Oh, yeah, you have to hang out with your significant other. Yeah, well, I'm, go- I'm making the trip to D.C., so, you know. You're like uh, you're like Garrett on Soccer by Ives. <laughs> uh, shout I, out to that podcast. Well, I haven't listened to that show in a really long time. i got to get back into it. But Garrett got married. He did? Yeah. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Wait, th- there was another... Um, Stuart Holden had a kid. Yeah, I know. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of soccer babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Top five Americans abroad. 
Okay, right before Sahil cut me off, um, every week I bring you the top. F- every week I bring you the top five American performances from the weekend. Today I cheated a little and I have a tie for number five. I'm sorry, Sahil. Um, although I did get the it's okay ridiculous. from you. So no. Um, what do you mean no? I asked you. You said okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. Okay, go on. <laughs> All right, tied for number five are Kristen Pulisic and Fabian Johnson. Christian Pulisic came on as a sub in the 71st minute in Borussia Dortmund 0-0 draw versus Eretha Berlin. He's on there because the coach um, of Borussia Dortmund said that he is an important part of their attack. Let that sink in. So this is not just a two-game run of, of you know, Pulisic getting off the bench. He's a player that the manager rates and you know obviously brings on to make a difference in a match that's tied against the third-place team in the league. Tied with him is Fabian Johnson, who started and played 90 minutes, uh, had a hockey assist in Borussia Mönchengladbach's 5-1 victory over Aaron Johansson's and Jordan Morris's Werder Bremen. Jordan Morris? <laughs> I was joking. Okay. <laughs> Aaron Johansson back in training, by the way. Good for him. I guess that means Freddie Adu's uh, Azad. Freddie Adu never played there, did he? he was just no, a, he didn't. He had a trial. He, he had a trial there. Oh, yeah. But that's for Jordan Morris. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Well, Graham Zuzi had a trial at West Ham. I mean, I, I think that he and Beasler just have had several offers abroad, but they yeah, just they wanted to stay. By the way, this was a great weekend for Americans. I, I was very excited to do this list. Number four, DeAndre Yedlin came off the bench in the 75th minute in Sunderland's 2-2 comeback draw against Liverpool. And you might be asking Nihal. How can someone be in the top five if you're only playing 15 minutes? Well, first of all, Christian Pulisic is on for playing 19 minutes. Second of all, uh, Sunderland were down 2-0 uh, when Yedlin came on. Yedlin, by all accounts, played very well and basically outplayed Billy Jones, who has been playing right back. And Billy Jones has apparently been terrible, and DeAndre Yedlin was, um, if not good, better than Billy Jones. So it looks like Yedlin might have gotten back into the starting lineup. We'll see. But that's why he's at number four. I think it's really, really, really important for him to get back into that starting lineup, especially with how well Tottenham is playing. Uh, Kieran Trippier, the backup right back for, for Tottenham, played a couple weeks ago, or last weekend, or during the week. I can't remember when. And he's starting to play well, too. So it'll be interesting to see what the situation is like for DeAndre next year. All right, number three, Bobby Wood played a full match against Kaiser Slaughter and scored a nice goal in Union Berlin's 2-2 draw against Kaiser Slaughter. Um, <laughs> great goal. Uh, beats the defender in a lot of nice moves. Beats the keeper. Questionable keeping. Beats the keeper near post, kind of. The keeper is sort of off of his line, and it's like that Mike Cohen goal from the World Cup, 2010 World Cup. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Um, sure. Except with that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good goal. It was a great goal. Go check it out. Um, it's all over Twitter, and it's on American Soccer Now, if you want to go look over there. Uh, number it probably t- will be on our website once that's it, Well, maybe. <laughs> Omar Gonzalez is at number two. Omar Gonzalez playing very, very well for Pachuca. Uh, played 90 minutes for them in a 1-1 draw against Pumas on Sunday. Um, more importantly, he scored the equalizing goal in the 89th minute. His first goal in Liga Amekis has an assist. He's been playing very well. 
Um, so we got three center backs, well, two center backs really playing really well at the moment, John Brooks and Omar Gonzalez. And speaking of John Brooks, he is number one on our list, started and played 90 minutes and was amazing, fantastic in at the Berlin 0-0 draw versus Borussia Dortmund. Probably the man of the match, uh, playing against such a potent and dangerous attack of Borussia Dortmund, headlined by one and only Christian Pulisic. Um, <laughs> he played excellently. And, you know, honestly, for the most part, Ertha was sitting back and defending, and he had a lot of work to do, and he did it magnificently. And it's exciting to see him play to his potential. Any disagreements about my list? The ordering, maybe? No, I thought, I thought it was pretty solid, I guess. I, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't think Bobby would. I mean, I don't. Why? Because uh, he's playing uh, in the second division? And uh, you have players below him that were playing in the second versus third or, sorry, one of which was who's 17 years old and playing for the second-best team in Germany. and He played 19 minutes, and he did not score a goal. Well, how many minutes did Yedlin play? And how many goals did he <laughs> score? Oh, okay. Yedlin's a defender. I was kidding. All right, but, uh, yeah, I have some American news, though. A couple things. Okay. So can that be my thing? No? Okay. All right, so like first Amer- of all... American news, like the New Hampshire primaries, or are we talking about soccer? Soccer. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, this is this is not really... I mean, this is kind of good, I guess, but also bad. Actually, why don't I start off with the other thing, because I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, U-20 uh, forward for the U.S., Josh Perez, was signed to the Fiorentina first team, yes. which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, honestly, almost considered putting him on the list, but I thought that was kind of... I mean, I it wasn't know. a performance. Yeah, exactly. So Josh Perez, very, very exciting winger. Can also play underneath the striker. Uh, left-footed player. Has played uh, played with the U-17s. Um, probably not utilized very well, but he and Christian Pulisic in that age group are stars. And uh, Perez, good, good on him. Excited to see him play for Fiorentina. Finally turning 18, which means he could sign that contract. Yes. Uh, another another thing for young Americans is that Kurt Zuma, the third string Chelsea center back, tore his ACL, which means that Matt Miazga moves into that third center back role. Um, yeah, terrible injury. I don't know if you saw the injury. Um, I didn't actually. It was bad. Uh, so uh, you know, our thoughts are with are with Kurt Zuma. I mean. You know, players get injured, but it was pretty gruesome, and he'll obviously miss uh, the Euros, which are being played in his home country of France. But yeah, Miazga moves into that third spot. I wouldn't say Zuma is really a third string. I would say he's more like 1B, because he does play a lot. I mean, he, okay. he, he played uh-huh. ahead of Cahill. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe this is Matt Miazga's chance. Uh, and Although, I, I think... Maybe moving forward, we see Zuma and Miazga play together next year. That'd be pretty cool. But he's out for six months, which means he he comes back in oh, July. So, right? Yeah. No, uh, no, no, no. No, no, August. Sorry. So, yeah, he might not even be ready by then. And if Terry's gone, if Cahill's gone, yeah, Miazga, you know, Miazga might be there. We'll see what happens. Um I don't really know. I don't really... I, I, I Like, it's so hard... It's so hard to know what that situation is, right? What what their thoughts on Miazga are. Miazga did make the Champions League roster. I don't know if you saw that for Chelsea. Or is it wait, Europa wait, League? Wait, wait, wait. Europa really? League. Really? No, Champions League, yeah. Champions League roster. Yep, 
So, you know? Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mark Pelosi made the Europa League roster for Liverpool a couple years ago, so... Oh, and Julian Green. I mean, where is he now? Uh, oh my gosh. So, uh, with and also the Borussia Dortmund coach. Uh, damn, I'm forgetting his name right now. Tuchel. Tuchel. I don't know how to. Is it Tuchel? It. Tuchel. Yeah, is it just okay? Anyways, he said that Pulisic is an integral part of the attack going forward. It's pretty good. Did you, did you not hear me say that when I was talking about the top five? Like that was literally why. That's that was pretty much why he was in the list. Yeah. Well, well, now we know Sahel doesn't listen to me while I'm talking about the top five. Okay, I was looking forward to my news segment, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is it was not redundant. Um, well, you know what? We're, we're redundant in other places too, so it's okay. But next time, well, no, you listen to most of it. You just zoned out in that part. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I said all the. I said all the. Things. Yes, okay. I know. I know. I know. I'm just you know. Oh, man. Well, the Super Bowl. You want to talk about that for a little while? I mean, this episode's already really long anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, the Denver Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers in San Francisco 24 to 10. Not, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Peyton, the game. Peyton... I mean, we could. Well, yeah, we but, could, but... I mean, that, that Denver defense is scary. I think that's a, the best defense we've seen since the Ravens of the early 2000s. I mean, wow. Denver's defense is incredible. But Peyton won. That's exciting. I was, I, I was waiting for him to dab, honestly. <laughs> did, you see him, did you see him kiss Papa John on the cheek? Oh, man. That relationship is hilarious. Wait, did you see that or not? I didn't know they kissed on the cheek. I saw them, like, embrace, <laughs> kind of. Did that actually happen? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, saw, I saw the end of it. Like, I, I looked down, I looked up, and Papa John was, like, moving away from Peyton. <laughs> and did you see, like, Eli, like... <laughs> yeah, that was like, yeah. I tweeted about that, like, as it happened. The, the real big story was Puppy Monkey Baby. That was the worst. Forget Super Bowl commercial. That was the worst commercial I've ever seen in my entire life, and I rated it a zero out of ten because me and my friend rated every single commercial. I, you terrible. know what? I disagree. What is the one commercial everyone is talking about? Puppy Not, Monkey Baby. No. And, yes. And what were they advertising? Huh? I have no idea. Yes, you do. Don't even do I, that. I literally have no idea. Mountain Dew. In- K- insurance? Oh, yeah. No, you, knew- I, huh? <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's an effective commercial. And what did you think? I thought the halftime show tried to be like the ultimate halftime show was showing everyone's clips. And like, I thought, I thought the best part was when like Bruno Mars and Beyonce were both like dancing. Can I be honest? I was doing homework during halftime. So... Wasn't really paying so attention. Having... I watched the beginning. Like I saw when Beyonce came on. I saw Bruno Mars dancing briefly. I heard uh, what's that Coldplay song? Living Love. No, that's that's Ricky Martin. <laughs> Viva La Vida. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> outside, uh. inside, out. Living La Vida Loca. Are we going to have to pay royalty? I shouldn't have done that. Should I beat myself out? Mm, well, we've already kind of, well... <laughs> we've sung <started> it before. 
No, yeah. but, but, like, the Lee Wynn song, that, and Josie Altidore, that was, that was parody. Well, so I'll tell you what, people, people say that Bruno Mars's part was too short. And what I say is that he came on for more time than Julian Green has for the first team <laughs> this year. <laughs> that's just not true, though. For the first team. That's not true. <laughs> this season. Remember, Wait, he, he, played, he started a game. Julian Green? Yeah, he started in the Champions League. In, in match six, match day oh, six. Oh, yeah, that was... Okay, yeah, fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why you're rooting against him. I'm not rooting against him. I just find it funny that people called him Wunderkind. Wunderkind. You were excited about him, too. You were the one who was, like, cheering the loudest when he scored. That like, mean, okay, yeah, because yeah, that just means I'm the biggest no, men's national team. No, because you were like, you were like, I predicted that to happen or something. No, that was Charvin. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and great. Now you've, okay. <laughs> I've mentioned people that the audience doesn't know. Um, well, it's, it's our social media interns, brother. Well, and also when Nihal was talking about his significant other in D.C., that's our social media intern's sister. <laughs> Are we actually getting into this? We have an email for this podcast, it's soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter, that's at soccerbrotherspod. My brother's Twitter is at Big Time Brownie, mine's at, at ASR underscore Sahil. Review or rate if you're on iTunes, follow, like if you're on SoundCloud. We're also on Google Play now, check us out. We will have our website up soon. And um, we're on Facebook too, actually. I was. Yep, we do have a Facebook page. We also have an Instagram account. It's the same handle as our Twitter, at Soccer Bros Pod. As always, all of our social media information will be in the description. Once again, we want to give a huge thank you to Carlos Mojica for being on this podcast. He was a great guest. We had a wonderful conversation with him. And we look forward to hearing more from him in the future. That's it for now, guys, but we look forward to seeing you next time on episode 35 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast.